Roadshow, episode number 356. My name is John Morgan. Cold Coffee is not with me right now, and Cold Coffee is about to get a cold talking to. <laughs> cold Coffee is out in uh, Anaheim, California for UFC 270. I can't blame him there. Obviously, he's our, our lead videographer. He's the guy that uh, we send out. To, he's got, the, he's got the, the nicer equipment. He's the better shooter. I mean, you guys know when I'm, when I'm doing video... It doesn't look that great for MMA Junkie. So he went out there. He's the head videographer. So he's going out there handling that. I don't fault him for that. I don't fault him for that. Now you may say, well, John, why aren't you out there? Well, uh, Matt Wells is out, actually out there. Uh, kind of interesting. It's kind of funny when you work in the uh, the internet. You work on internet-based businesses. Uh, Simon Simano and Matt Wells have never actually met face-to-face. Obviously, uh, when Matt was brought on, all those interviews and stuff were done virtually. and So they haven't actually met face-to-face. And since Simon Simano is based in the uh, SoCal area, it's an opportunity to bring Matt out to Anaheim so they could uh, have a little, you know, get together, get to uh, chat a little bit. You know, you, you work with somebody, you want to have a little time, do a little face-to-face conversation. The, uh, the Zoom calls and the Skype meetings are all right, but... Nothing as good as face-to-face. So he's out there. And uh, Mike Bond, uh, obviously living up in Toronto, but his dad lives in Southern California as well. So anytime there's a SoCal event and he can get out there to, to go see family, clearly understandable. I'd be a little frustrated if there was an event in Dallas and I wasn't able to go home and see my parents. You know what I mean? You get, get a chance to go see your family on the company's dime, right? Kind of work together that, uh, that family obligation along with the business obligation. So... That leaves me home in Las Vegas, which I certainly will not complain about. Uh, I'm I'm comfortable working here in my office, and uh, just means tonight I get to take my my kid to jujitsu practice. It's been a long time since I've taken the kid to jujitsu, man. Between me having COVID and then him having COVID, and, and it's just ha, it's just been a while. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna uh, we're, we're gonna go do that tonight. So I'm no no complaints about any of that. Here's where Cold Coffee gets his cold talking to. He hits me up yesterday and says, oh, by the way, I didn't bring the equipment that I need to record a segment for the podcast. So here we are, the MMA Roadshow, and who is on the road? Cold Coffee's on the road. But Cold Coffee did not bring the gear to record a segment for the podcast. Can we all agree to boo this man right now? Boo! (laughs) Uh, So yeah. Interesting interesting choice there. Didn't bring anything to record the podcast. So that leaves you with me. But I knew you didn't want to hear me just chilling for an hour talking about this. Obviously, we're talking about USC 270 this week, the first pay-per-view of the year. Big one, two title fights. Understandably, maybe some people saying the depth of the card isn't there, and I, I completely get that. There's some there's some fights that I do care about. But, you know, we're really about these top two, right? Francis Ngannou, Cyril Gaon, the heavyweight unification bout. Brandon Moreno, Davis and Figueredo. The flyweight trilogy bout as well. A couple of really, uh, really good fights. There. Really, I mean, really excited about these fights. Not only, of course, title fights, so they're meaningful. But I think they have the combination in both of these of both stylistically being impressive matchups and having some storyline behind them as well. So I have everything that I think you could want uh, in a fight, these two fights have. And then, of course, if you want to question the, the depth outside of it, I get that. But we'll talk about some of the ones that I'm, that I'm most looking forward to. I've uh, been checking out media day to day and, and uh, watching all those interviews play out and uh, obviously just some matchups on paper that look good as well. But 
I know you don't want to hear me just sit here and talk for an hour, right? I mean, just one dude rambling on. That doesn't sound very fun. I mean, even if it is, you know, a, a rather knowledgeable and enthusiastic guy like myself, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, what it did was, got with our good friends, Gorgeous George and Goes. The MMA Junkie Radio crew, of course, and uh, they do a Patreon as well with Richard Hunter, another good friend of mine, former uh, radio guy out in the Dallas area is how I first got to know him, and then he, like me, moved out to Las Vegas, uh, doesn't cover MMA full-time, but has been a part of MMA media for quite some time, so they do a show in addition to MMA Junkie Radio, um, they do the Triple G show, the Gorgeous George and Go show um, that's on Patreon, so if you want to support those guys, patreon.com slash triple G show. Um, and would highly encourage everybody to go over there and check out their additional content in, in addition to the uh, MMA Junkie Radio stuff. But, you know, I used to do MMA Junkie Radio with those guys a lot, and then schedules changed, and responsibilities changed, and things moved on. Next thing you know, I haven't done their show in, in years. And, I don't know, we got together and had a couple frosty beverages the other night. We're talking, you know, we got to do some more stuff. We got to do some more stuff together. We're right here in Las Vegas. We all live here together got to get together and do some more stuff. And so this seemed like the perfect opportunity with cold coffee out, with you not wanting to hear me just ramble on and preview a card for, for an hour. We said, you know what? Why don't I get together with those guys? And they were kind enough that uh, even though this is part of their subscription content over there at patreon.com slash the triple G show. Now, if you want to see video, you got to go to patreon.com slash triple G show. Now, you can also go to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. This is a collaboration, but we're plugging them right now. I know I should plug myself, too. Patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow as well, too. But patreon.com slash Triple G Show. You can see a video version of it. But we'll give you an audio version, a little taste, a little preview of uh, what goes on over the Triple G Show as we sit down to uh, break down the featured fights of USC 270 and talk about some of the latest headlines. So uh, here's a little taste of that. All right, we're going to suspend the uh, drumbeat here and just get going. It's the MMA Avengers show. And what's different about this than a normal Triple G show is we're joined by another uh, Patreon uh, provider, entertainer. His name is John Morgan. He's our colleague over at MMA Junkie, a former journalist of the year. What's going on, J-Mo? I'm good, man. Good to see you guys in the production values. I mean, look at that right off the top, man. You got to step in your game up. Jeez. <laughs> All right. The one day that we have company coming over and I look like I'm broadcasting from the prison rec yard. Uh, you know, it's funny. By the way, uh, a Patreon provider entertainer makes it sound like John's a cam model or something. Like he's going <laughs> to plug his OnlyFans. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I just moved outside because it was nice outside. So I don't know. It's funny, though, how everybody pays attention to their backgrounds now. You know, like you look at those very closely on CNN and, you know, all those people broadcasting from home, the books, <laughs> the books, you know, everybody's trying to one up each other with the level of their reading. I've noticed the latest thing is like an acoustic guitar somewhere in the background. Let mm -hmm. people know you've got some diversity. Yeah. Hey, Richard, if we zoom out, are you on a milk crate? And do you have a racquetball that you're throwing off of another wall? <laughs> no, no. But I get I get, uh, I get, get two hours a week out here. So we're on a little bit of a time on it. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. It was the only time they let me out of solitary. Guys, I wanted to dive into the fights that are happening this weekend. Um, we got, you know, two title fights. You got Francis Ngannou, who's going to be unifying his undisputed title against Cyril Gant's interim title. 
And you know what's standing out to me is Cyril Gon's odds keep slowly creeping up. He's up to about minus 150 now with Francis Ngannou coming back at plus 120. And all I've heard for the last couple of weeks is, uh, you know, Ngannou's pay, Ngannou's contract, this. But I haven't heard as much discussion about the fight itself, and I was hoping we could do a little bit of that. Now, it's, it's as easy as, yeah, of course, Ngannou's got the power. He can end it super fast, which is kind of what he's done uh, in his previous five fights. He's on an incredible roll, if you think about it. Versus Cyril Gan, who seems to have like, you know, like the size and, and um, the imposing figure of, you know, to match Nganu, except he seems to be a little bit more of like uh, surgical in his approach. Of course, he's got power. You wouldn't want to get hit by him either, but he wants to kind of like chop you down slowly but surely. So I wanted to kind of, you know, jump into that with you guys a little bit. Um, we'll start off with John. John, we haven't heard from you from, uh, in a while, but. This fight, man, how do you see it playing out? Like, is it going to be like the tale of two fights usually? What you're kind of envisioning happening early versus how, uh, what can unfold in the, in the later rounds? No, man, I'm super intrigued by this fight, to be honest with you. I mean, the story and all that, that's great, too. I mean, we always like that when we're promoting, you know, shows and, and, you know, fights are coming up, all the backstory, the former training partners. I mean, that's all cool, but exactly what you laid out, the tactics of what's going to happen in the cage is why I'm really so excited about this. And I'll just tip my hand man our, our staff picks i went ahead and i went with cyril gone here uh and, and i think he has the you know the movement the ability the speed the finesse to be able to avoid some of that wild power from francis naganu the, the the problem is in making a cyril gone pick is that if francis naganu does land i mean he literally can knock out anybody in the entire division and that can happen here too so it's like Francis Ngannou has this otherworldly power that can just like completely negate any game plan. I mean, it, it can be a, you know, a situation, you know, a la Derek Lewis as well, where you can beat the guy for, you know, 24 minutes and 50 seconds and still end up losing the fight. Although, of course, we think of Francis Ngannou as more dangerous early. So, listen, I'm intrigued by this fight a lot. Um, I think that, that Cyril Gan has done a great job of not really <clears throat> buying into the rivalry, so to speak. I don't think he's going in there with any kind of temper or feeling like he's got to prove something. And I just think, man, he's so slick and tactical on the feet, man. I think he's got everything it takes to win this fight. So I'm taking Cyril Gone, but what makes it so intriguing is if Francis Nagano lands those crazy haymakers, you're going out. So uh, phenomenal fight. I am really honestly surprised to see the way the line has moved. Obviously, Nagano started as the favorite, as you touched on it. Cyril is kind of supplanted in there. I wonder if it'll flip back the other way on fight night as you start to get more and more casual money coming in that maybe doesn't really know Cyril so much but knows Francis. Um, but I'm super intrigued by this main event. All right, Richard, how about you? Um, are you buying into, <clears throat> you know, Cyril gone, maybe just having more of an advantage because he does seem more relaxed. He's not carrying stress or drama like, like Ngannou is, and he'll just be able to uh, execute his game plan? Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's two things that make this fight hard to predict. One, it's always difficult when you've got somebody coming into uh, a, a main event fight, especially a title fight, and there's just not a lot. There, there's not there's not anything to go on in terms of when they lose, how do they lose, right? Because uh, eventually, pretty much everybody's going to lose. But if you haven't seen it, you don't know what it looks like. So sometimes those types of fighters can i think i don't call it overhyped but just because there's there's all evidence to one side and and nothing to really go on to the contrary it's very difficult to predict and sometimes those guys can benefit i think from 
a little bit of um, of uh, um, overheightened expectations, perhaps. The other side of it is, and this is another weird twist to this. Uh, Francis Ngannou uh, is arguably in the rare position of being able to say, hey, if I lose this, there's a real upside, which is you're out of your contract, okay? And I think he could, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking about like normally so many fighters, they want to chase that boxing, uh, you know, showcase money and all that kind of stuff that's such a cottage industry now. And a lot of times it's Dana, Dana, Dana. Will you co-promote? Will you let Connor do this? Will you co-promote with Mayweather? I mean, it has happened, but that takes all that right out of the equation. He could go, he could lose, he could get out of his contract, he could go make all that big money, then come right back. No win or lose, he'd come right back. I mean, it is a rare uh, situation for him to be in, and you can't help if you're if you're Francis Ngannou or anybody else from sitting there going, man, you know, there is a real financial upside to me coming out uh, uh, on the losing end Saturday night. So I'm not saying that's that's Plan A, but it's got to it has to have occurred to him, and I, I know his agent knows it. So I think those two things combined. Uh, do make for uh, a, a tempting scenario to pick Cyril Gaon because here's another thing with the, the, the big powerhouse puncher like Francis Ngannou versus uh, uh, a, a technician, okay? Either, either uh, Gaon is going to be able to keep him, uh, Ngannou, at bay or he's not. And you see that pretty quickly. You know, these are also the kind of fights, too, where if you get a round to look at it, especially two rounds, and you can kind of see – Okay, he's having a hard time, uh, and Ganu is, you know, penetrating uh, the the perimeter. Then this could play out this way over five rounds. So I, I think there's a lot of reasons there to pick uh, Gan. But if Ngannou is going to prove us wrong, I think he either does it pretty damn quickly or not at all. Add all those things up, and I'll go ahead and take Gan here. But it's not a pick I'm particularly comfortable with because of those bizarre X factors. All right, goes. How about you? Uh, give us a little bit of a breakdown, and and of course the pick that you're leaning towards right now, because this fight is so close that I wouldn't blame anyone for having a completely different pick on Saturday. Well, I think first and foremost, the the most important thing when this matchup was announced was where it's going to be. Right, big cage versus small cage. Big cage gives Surreal Gone a lot of real estate to do what he does best. Um, if you look at Francis Ngannou, I mean, he doesn't have the body type that tells you I'm going five rounds. I'm going to outpoint this guy. Um, that's just not in the cards, guys. So really, round one, maybe round two. If he doesn't catch him by then, it's going to be a long night for Francis Ngannou because I think I think Surreal Gan can stay out of trouble. He's a smart fighter. He's got a good fight IQ. Stick and move. But the thing is, you know, if you look at Extreme Couture, you look at Eric Nixick, you know, Francis Ngannou, they know exactly what this guy's yeah. going to try and do. And hopefully they figure out a way to mitigate that, you know, cut the cage and, and some footwork, um, really trap this guy and put him in bad situations. But the problem is he's going in there with one weapon. It's a big weapon, but it's only one. And I think Surreal Gone's got quite a few and he can mix them up. So it's a dangerous fight, but yeah, I'm kind of leaning Surreal Gone. Wow. I'm the only guy on Nganu. I mean, I'm hearing you guys. Surreal Gone is pretty amazing and he keeps getting better and better. But, you know, against Jarzinho, I believe that's the one fight of those streak that he's on in the UFC that he didn't finish. Um, Jarzinho is also tentative, too. 
if you're not engaging, it also makes it more difficult. He's not going to have that problem with with uh, Francis Ngannou. Richard made some good points there as far as uh, the reach. You know, six five, six four. I think it's both of these guys' respective heights. That's Cyril Gon being like a, it appears one inch taller, but Ngannou just has that freakish power to match the length and size, and I just feel like he's in play for at least three rounds. And I don't want to even think about, oh, the cardio of the first Ipe fight. It seems like that's been addressed, even though, again, he makes quick work out of most most of the fights. But I was pointing out to Goes, even after the Miocic fight, which, again, only, I think, ended in the first round, he still seemed pretty, like, calm. Like, there was still a lot of gas in that tank. You know, he exploded when he needed to, but, you know, he, he wasn't um, labored, I guess, in, in, you know, when he was doing the post-fight speech or, or just his celebration. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that power really, really is just um, not underappreciated because we all know it's there. It's just uh, I think it's there in play a lot more that Cyril Gaon needs to worry about. You know what I mean? So it's a heavyweight fight at the end of the day. Both guys are pushing the, the weight limit. They're as big as you can get without being fat fucks. You know what I mean? Like it's literally like they're they're they're, they're both just – well put together, man, and, and it's going to be an amazing fight. And it sucks that it's getting lost a little bit in the whole, you know, um, the, the the drama of the last contract or whatever. I'm just wondering to follow up on Richard's point. It, part of the appeal of fighting Tyson Fury has got to be baddest hombre on the planet. If you lose to Cyril Gon, um, you're not even the baddest man in the promotion. So. Not to say Fury wouldn't still fight him and not to say Nganu wouldn't still make a lot of money, but I feel like it loses a little bit of its luster. And I, I feel like that'll still be fuel for Nganu. I think Nganu feels like, hey, look, I need to put this guy away, still keep my dreams of, of uh, fighting Fury for a lot of money somehow, and hopefully working it into my contract, which, again, I just don't think it's going to happen. But I just don't think he's also going to like not give his, his best effort what happened before the Miocic fight the first time was he flew to Paris. He didn't seem like he was, you know, he didn't have the best camp, the best, he wasn't in the best condition. And according to my sources, he's put in the work for this one. So if he loses, it's because he just lose, lost to another skilled fighter, you know, that, that happened to come along right when he was starting his reign. But all right, we'll circle one more time. Any, any thoughts on anybody? Uh, John, we'll go back to you again uh, to, before we tackle the co-main event. Yeah, no, I, I think Richard laid out really well with the, with the contract talk, and I, I think you're right. Like, what you're what you're saying is is correct. If he loses, that Fury fight could completely go away, especially if he loses if he, if he gets knocked out some way. I mean, if he gets taken mm. down and submitted, maybe you go, ah, yeah, well, you know, that's that wrestling stuff. But you know, look at me because obviously he looks great on a poster. You say now, if I could go to what mm. I really like to do is box, and I think you could still sell it. But the contract stuff that really concerns me is not so much that I think there's going to be any funny business going on where he's throwing the fight or maybe right, not right. worried about losing. But you just do wonder how much of a distraction has it been. I know, George, you're saying your sources told you he put in the work. But is he laser focused? Is he 100% all in on, on winning this fight and, and proving these things? Yeah, you're right. He wants to win because I don't think he wants that Fury fight to go away. But, man, is this thing going to be a distraction to him? I just can't imagine <coughs> it's not at least a little bit in his head on a daily basis, maybe on fight night as well, you know, in that one moment where he needs to be laser focused on the task at hand, is there even just a little bit that's kind of throwing him off the game a little bit? So um, I'm, I'm just interested to see how it all works out. I do. I will say too, I think it's kind of a damn shame that a fight of this magnitude and of this quality 
you're right. It seems like the storyline is really more about the contract than the unification of the heavyweight title and what a great, you know, action, just, just a great fight it is. It's a damn shame that's kind of become the storyline. Yeah. Richard, final thoughts on this fight before we move to the coming? No, I mean, uh, agreed on, you know, the, the <clears throat> I guess, the stock value of the uh, hybrid showcase fight could go up or down depending on the outcome. John makes a good point about the submission. But I also think that uh, in terms of marketing something like that, uh, I think there would be a ton of people who would buy the Nganu Fury fight who aren't even going to watch this. So you could just kind of tell them what happened. You know, uh, it. I, I think the, the bigger concern, and no, I, I was definitely not thinking he would, he would uh, you know, they, he's not going to throw it or anything like that. But uh, in, in terms of the value of it, I just think that, uh, you know, it's, there's so much to be said for not having to have a partner in it like the UFC. I mean, this business of working into his contract that, you know, could I have the ability to go box? I'll bet that is an automatic hell no from the UFC. I couldn't see them agreeing to that in uh, in a million years. So, um, and, and, you know, also with Nganu, I mean, you're bringing up some past concerns. I think sometimes, you know, past can be prologue in terms of not to say you're not focused for this fight, but if, if you were to say to a fighter who maybe had a little bit of a history with that, hey, just hypothetically, if you had a fight one, one day on the horizon and there were a lot of out-of-the-cage issues going on to possibly distract you, could you be 100% certain that you would be 100% focused? And if they were being honest, the answer might might be no. Because at that point, you're just kind of talking about human nature. So I think it's very interesting. You know, like you said, it is a shame that it's that's we're talking maybe more about that than the the other side of it. But also, I also don't know exactly that any of us know exactly what kind of fight we're going to be getting. Could It might not be that exciting, guys. I mean, if Nganu just keeps him on the perimeter for five rounds and wins a technical fight, you know, uh, uh, 50-45 or something like that, might not be all that exciting. We might end up getting more excited about a rematch than we are this one, depending on how these two styles match up. All right. Ghost, final thoughts? I think an interesting storyline. I'd love to find out who the UFC wants to win. Because if Francis Nganu wins, you got to pay him. That's going to sting. If he loses, now you got Surreal gone as your champion. I don't know that that's the most exciting option or the most sellable option going forward. So I'm kind of curious who they would really want to win this. But doesn't he? Uh, he's still he's going to have one more fight though if he wins because of the assuming there's a champions clause, right? So you're yeah. not going to have to pay him until the fight after that if you're going to keep him. But I feel like Gone is the only guy that can take him out. Okay, yeah. well, John, do you know that uh, the clarification on that whole if if Nganu wins, it's either three fights or a year, or was that what we thought it was? And Nganu said it wasn't. Or yeah, he's saying that the new contract, the, the, the contract that he has right now, mm -hmm. it would extend for one more fight, but there's a time period of a total of five years that would extend to at that point. So he feels like it's done. Listen. I don't know that it's that cut and dry. You know what I mean? It might be a little bit more of a legal battle. You know, we're kind of saying this is because that's what that's what he said and that's what their team believes. But, you know, the UFC has got a whole bunch of lawyers on the roster that are pretty high powered in enforcing those contracts. So I'm not 100 <laughs> percent sure that, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen, that he would just have one more and leave. But uh, it's what we believe to be the case, at least for now.
That's where they break out the high-powered magnifying glass, and they go, let us direct your attention to the fine print not visible by the human eye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, Goz, I did want to chime in on one thing you said was the UFC, I'm sure, the one thing I've obviously figured out is they are (laughs) never dealt a bad hand. Um, they that was the case years ago, like oh fuck, Tito lost, you know, or Ben <laughs> or Hughes, maybe. What are we gonna do? We got three more months before the next pay per view. There's no reality show, we're screwed. That's not like that no more, man. This is a machine that can make stars like that. And who knows if Sorrel Gone has a beautiful KO, he may be that guy. But I'm just wondering if Ngannou has a beautiful KO. And the way the UFC seems to be selling those pay-per-views with, with ESPN behind them, could that even, even be, like, another step that he takes in superstardom where now they're just forced to, you know, meet in, in, inside of a, a meeting room and, and figure out a number and just go forward. You know, the UFC will pay more than they thought they were going to, and maybe Ngannou isn't, isn't going to get as much as he was going to, but yet everyone wins because – Here's another thing. I, you know, they've been saying this one for years, but now they're so close. There's got to be a big show in Africa that is also on the horizon. And I don't know. I just feel like that's not only Usman and Izzy, but two of the three, and I thought for sure one of them being Ganu, was what would headline something huge in that continent. Not only for the purpose of the show itself, but think about all the talent that's going to come from a big show being there, all the – Young kids that are going to gonna be um, motivated, you know, to become athletes that maybe elect not to go towards the other sports because Africa produces athletes in soccer, NFL. I see them, NBA. Maybe only baseball is the one where I can really say, "Geez, I don't think I remember," you know, seeing seeing an African last name on on a jersey or anything like that. But for the most part, I mean, it, it is uh, it, it produces a lot of great athletes. So I, I think either way, the UFC does not lose. But someone winning emphatically, I think, well, that's my, like, lame prediction. Someone winning emphatically is really, really going to make a superstar to one of these two. But, George, I would say, as you said, the UFC never has a bad hand. The flip side is that if Cyril Ghosn wins, they still have yet to make their big France debut. You know, it's finally yeah. legal there again. That's another mm-hmm. new market for them. So when you talk about them being good, I like what Goes is saying is true. I don't know that, you know. Cyril's quite the superstar X factor that sort of thing, but he is in France, and that would be a big thing in their in their growth over there. So yeah, I think they I think they win either way. Can I ask you guys a question though? Yeah. Okay. Look, everybody has a breaking point, and these pay per views going up in price. Before the pandemic, I loved going to the movies. I loved it. So much fun. But I actually had to put a limit on which ones I would actually go to see and which ones I would just wait till they come out on a streaming service because it was just getting too damn expensive. This is not something you do in your leisure anymore. Watch fights. This is like a bill every month. You're going to have to shell out 70 bucks. Right. And the time that it takes to sit there, the time away from your family, you're asking for eight hours. Hey, leave me alone for eight hours. Are we at that breaking point? And is this pay-per-view going to suffer because of that with the casual fan? I think it has to, to a degree, right? I mean, that $75 price is pretty big. I always feel unqualified to speak on pay-per-view pricing and fans because I don't have to dig into my pocket. You know what I mean? I get to charge it off. So, yeah, I say 75 sounds expensive, but all I'm doing is putting it on a company credit card that somebody else is paying for. So I don't really know, but I would think that has to. Then the flip side of that, I look at it as, if you're an MMA fan, this is your thing. You know what I mean? Like MMA fans, especially hardcores, I mean, they're going to they're gonna shell out for it. But you said among the casuals, 
I got to think that price point is a little bit scary to somebody that's not a hardcore fan. Well, yeah, and, and I – Go ahead, Richard. No, I, I, I was just going to say, too, I, I think I brought this up last week, but I also think another thing that that complicates this is the 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 the, the two-point uh, process of getting into this uh, pay-per-view because you got to subscribe to ESPN Plus from the get-go. You know, so uh, and I'm not talking about existing people so much as I am bringing new people. I think that's all. like if you didn't really know uh, how this whole process worked and let's say this was going to be your first time and they do need to be bringing new uh, viewers all the time. I could see people going, wait a second. I'm I subscribe to a service first for like five, six bucks. Then I spend the 75, you know, that's that that's complicated, too. So, yeah, I think it, it does become an issue. Now, ESPN, you know, like Dana said the other day, look, that's ESPN's deal now because we've handed it off to them. And, uh, you know, Disney doesn't seem to be in the business of losing money. I'm sure they've kind of figured this out and figured out that they'll they'll be okay by doing this. And maybe uh, uh, any anybody that drops off is going to be more than compensated for because of the additional revenue. But in terms of... Uh, big picture i think that's where i'm more concerned about it is is this a turnoff to when you're trying to bring new fans to it you know imagine the kid that he just found out about ufc and he's excited about it and he's going to try to talk mom and dad into ordering this thing and they, they take one look at it and they're like we already subscribe to enough streaming services we're not going to subscribe to another one plus what is it 75 bucks that's where i can see it becoming an issue <clears throat> They only lucked out because it's ESPN, honestly. You know, if it was like a CBS Sports, no disrespect to them, NBC Sports, <laughs> you really have to think about it. But the fact that ESPN is just, you know, it is, it really is a sports leader and you get so much with it. They, that was a decision. That was something the UFC, I wish, would have done a long time ago. I know that ESPN resisted it, but that's one thing I think they luck out on is the ESPN is just so powerful and they're behind them. Um, okay. I will say this though. Um, couple things i just wish that if people only realized how bad we anticipated the collision of kane velasquez versus junior de santos remember when they were slowly coming up and we were like we don't want them to fight because we want brock to have opponents but then eventually they did and you know it was a quick fight the first time then the other ones were painful to watch because one guy you know was beating the shit out of the other one and yet these two really are almost physically more imposing and explosive like this is that fight on steroids, yet it doesn't have that same attention, unfortunately. Now, maybe by the time we close on Saturday night, we'll all change our opinion. Um, but I think John was asking right now, you know, what, what's what's the breaking point or whatever. I'm a, I'm a Niners fan, and they play Green Bay at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right as, I, as we start our watch along. More on that later. And I'm thinking, like, if, if, if there are a lot of hardcore fans that are just – they're, you know, their friends are coming over for the game, and that might be that might be a little bit of the competition that they run into, you know, and I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping a lot of people have adopted the whole man cave, you know, format or at least a couple screens, and they can, you know, they can watch them both. But that, that might be the breaking point for someone that's having, you know, spending 100 bucks on beers and, and, and food, and that's why they don't get the, uh, the big fight. But lastly, I do want to say this. What I do hope is – those people that in boxing spent a lot of money for Fury and Wilder, and they got themselves a great fight. You know, two of the top guys in boxing. 
uh, and they delivered. I hope they take a risk on this one because I think this one has the the potential to be just as formidable. I didn't realize that there had been a man cave format established. We may need George to draw this up for us. It's... Well, the whole, you know, like I've promoted the the three TVs and the living room deal, but now, yeah. now I'm just, you know, call them man caves or whatever. Um, all right. The co-main event of Davidson Figueroa versus Brandon Marino. I, boy, one thing that I loved out of just hearing the uh, embedded so far, I'm, I'm only through two. I don't know if a third one's dropped. Check out MMA Junkie if they have. But the fact that it really sounded confident that both of them don't even have to worry about their weight. I really want the best two here because this is the last time we're going to see them, in my opinion. Unless, of course, Davidson wins because then it's 1-1-1. One, one, and one. But I, I, uh, I, I just hope the fourth fight is not for a while. And if it is, it's in either one of their home countries. But uh, Figueredo, who if he's on weight like he says he is, that's still a dangerous mofo, man. He was taking it to Marino in that first fight before that point deduction. Um, and in the second fight, I felt like it was a, it was just a, a fat cat, you know, champion that made a lot of money and just didn't train, probably figured he owned him. And then he ran into the weight cut being a problem. And then he ran into a guy that went out and got better and, and stayed hungry and got his ass kicked. But I really am leaning a little bit towards – I'm trying to put my bias aside of the Mexican blood that runs through me. I, I just think <clears throat> Davidson's pretty cool. And his ground game, his power – and if he really, really gave us an honest camp, oh man, it pains me to say I'm leaning towards Figueredo. This time I'll go in reverse. Goes. How about you? I'm sort of leaning towards Figueredo as well. It's hard to kind of get that out of your mind, what happened in that first fight. Um, and you're right. <clears throat> Mentally, he seems like he's in a better place. I think he kind of learned a lesson. The X factor in all this is Brandon Moreno seems to still be getting better with every fight. So who knows what jumps he's made in this last uh this last period between fights, but I said this on spinning back click. Um, that dude has a lot of people trying to get a hold of him, English and Spanish interviews, moving them around from place to place. I think um, that's the type of thing that you can't really prepare for. You just have to experience and you learn your lesson from it. And he might be going through something like that right now. And TJ's not that far from Anaheim. So it actually looks very similar. If you've been there. But uh, I, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on him that night. And I think that all that put together is enough for maybe Davidson Figueroa to win this fight. Yeah. All right. Well, Richard, how about you? Are you with us or si se puede? No, <clears throat> I am with you. Um, this is, uh, you know, very rarely because you, you just brought up, George, the possibility of even like a fourth fight down the line. And I hate to talk about that before we're done with the third. But. Um, you, you know, we were, we were talking a lot of boxing a minute ago, boy, I mean, something that, that MMA hasn't really been a around long enough to, to have enjoyed yet is, uh, that, that rare fourth fight, you know, trilogy plus one that, uh, we saw with some of the great boxing matchups of, of all time, uh, speaking of great Mexican fighters, you know, like, uh, uh, uh like, uh, uh, Morales and Barrera maybe comes to mind, but, um, that that could be something that's very plausible for these guys. And you're right. This to me, this is not a situation of okay, one guy is going one way and one guy is going another. It's that uh, both guys are still very formidable. And uh, you know, goes brings up a couple of very interesting X factors in terms of you know once you're uh, once you're being positioned as that uh, that that media star. 
uh, for the UFC. You either kind of get it or, or, or you don't, and you adapt to it uh, or you don't. I'll, boy, a pick? I mean, I, I, leaning toward Figueredo, yeah, okay. I guess I can, I can, I can, I can do that too. Um, but, uh, uh, the main thing I think of going into this fight, this is proud. This is the real intrigue fight for me of, uh, of the card. Not that the main event isn't, but like I said, I, there, there is a possibility for that main event to be a, a little lackluster that I brought up that I absolutely do not think is, uh, the case here. I don't see how this fight, I, to me, this is a can't miss in terms of action and potential fight of the night and possibly setting up a, a rare fourth fight, uh, r- regardless of, uh, who looks better. And your, and your lean is Figueredo then? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, sure. All right, John, how about a little X's and O's, um, and a prediction. And if you don't mind, you know, you're real close to the pulse of the sport, man. This arguably could be Marino's toughest title defense and he's getting it early. If he wins and the pandemic clears, how big of a star can this guy be in Mexico? The guy's already be becoming a huge star. I mean, you could see it. You know, obviously, he's just got the personality. I mean, how can you not love Brandon Moreno, man? He's just so enthusiastic. He's so genuine. He's such a, you know, a, a, just a happy-to-go-lucky guy. Man, you see the emotions. You know, I was going back and watching the countdown last night and, and you know, seeing the, the, I mean, the tears of joy, you know, crying at what he did. He, that amazing speech that he had years ago about, you know, maybe not today, maybe not next month, but one day. I mean, it's just everything about the guy is, is star power. And, and it's not just Mexico. It's Mexican-Americans, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the guy, his star power really is growing. Um, but – uh, first of all, I will say, Richard, great points on, on the co-main event. I think this, for the hardcores especially, man, this is just as exciting, if not more exciting, than the main event. Because you're right, the main event could very much be kind of a moderately paced tactical battle of, of, of being careful not to have those big car crashes in there. So this one is going to be car crashes. I mean, um, but I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm surprised. In my staff picks, I went with Devison Figueredo as well. And I thought I was going to be a little bit of an outlier because of how good Brandon Moreno is getting. As you said, he continues to, it seems to improve. Um, but I think people are sleeping a little bit on just how good Davison Figueredo is. I do think exactly what you said, George, that last one, um, I, you know, he, he was walking around with a little too much swagger. If you ask me, I think he was more worried about being a star than he was about being that absolute killer, the God of war. You know what I mean? That nickname, I mean, from the very beginning of his, UFC run I thought it aptly described I mean the dude has got insane power uh for a flyweight he can submit you as well he's incredibly aggressive um now listen you know that aggressiveness uh you know that you know intimidation factor and that's that's going to be gone now for Brandon Moreno right now you beat the guy not only have you been in there you know with several rounds of them you know you've, you've actually had the victory and submitted him as well so you know a, a lot of things do point towards Brandon Moreno and, and and the momentum that he's gaining but um I like Davis and Figueroa here I think people are just forgetting about how good this guy is I know he didn't look great in the last performance but I love the fact that he's made wholesale changes Man, you look at the, the the camp that he's with now out at Fight Ready. You know, that social media pic that's making the rounds of him. I mean, that dude looking absolutely shredded a week out. I mean, it looks like incredible shape. You know, can't hurt to have man. Look at all the great minds that are in that camp at Fight Ready that are that are gonna be giving him advice and helping him to revamp and helping him to plan. Uh, so listen, I went with Deviston Figueredo as well. My staff picks. I and, and hearing you guys kind of lean in that direction too, I feel a little bit better because I thought I was gonna be a bit of an outlier, but um, this dude is a dangerous dude, and I think he's more focused now. 
you know, I was watching his, his uh, media day when, uh, you know, he was just talking about, you know, focus and determination and getting his belt back. And that's all he's thinking about. And he sacrificed everything, gotten away from his family. And he solely cares about one thing that is becoming a champion again. So, uh, you know, I, we'll see what the demeanor is as, as fight week continues. I, I thought that was a little bit last time too, where, you know, he was trying to be this intimidating bruiser and, and Moreno was just kind of laughing at him like, bro, you're not getting in my head. I think Figueredo's got to go away from that. You know, the mind games aren't going to work, but the power in your fist can work. The aggressive in your, in your grappling game can work. So if you get away from, you know, let's let's see how cool my hair looks and make sure my suit and sunglasses are on point. Let me see if I can intimidate this guy. That's all out the window. Just go out there and fight the way you know you can fight, and, and I think you're still capable of beating this guy. And last thing I'll say, uh, I bet Asker Askarov and Kaikar France are really hoping for a Moreno victory as well. They don't want one, one more fight, you know, a fourth fight between these guys because they're waiting in the wings for the winner. Can I, can I just uh, – can I say something John just made me think of? Uh, you know, being a professional fighter is a great way to have an excuse to get away from people that are driving you nuts because it just occurred to me. No one ever gets credit for saying, you know, well, what adjustments have you made in this camp? Well, I'll tell you what I've done. I'm actually spending more time around friends and a whole lot more time around the family. I'm uh, really getting involved in, you know, uh, a chores list at the house and, you know, uh, trying to, uh, you know, advance my relationship with my wife and PTA activities. You never hear that. It's always, oh, I've isolated myself. I've cut myself off, my family. Uh, man, that's a great. If you don't like those people that much to begin with, man, consider becoming a pro fighter. Nobody blames you for that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Guys, can you believe Marino is the big favorite? He's even a bigger favorite than Gon is over in Ganu. Now, I get it. Some of the line is also the anticipated take expected by the bookies. And Marino's popular, you know, especially here in North America. So it could be a little bit of that. It could be the fact that he just owned. Figueredo in that second fight. Excuse me, the third fight. Excuse me, the second fight. Um, but anyway, let me give you the odds here. I couldn't believe it. I thought it was going to be a little closer to maybe like, you know, one guy's minus 110, the other guy's <laughs> minus 120, or even a pick -em. But Marino is even – I see him as high as minus 180 with Figueredo at plus 155. Man, that's kind of tempting there, you know, to even splash a little bit more on the challenger, even after what we what we all said. Yeah, I think the yeah, difference I, between the two. Oh, sorry, was if I if I were to tell you guys, hey, you guys know that guy Davidson Figueredo? I think you guys would say, oh yeah, he's great. But if I told you Brandon Moreno, I think you'd say, yeah, he's good. He's he's really good. I don't feel like Brandon Moreno is great yet. I think he showed us that he's super tough, but I don't know that he's great. And I think people, because of that popularity, are putting him up on that pedestal. And I mean, trust me, man, he's earned. Uh, to be in the discussion, but the thing that he hasn't shown us yet, I think, is a little bit of consistency. So I don't know what well, we'll see, but um, yeah, if you're a gambling person, you're probably salivating at these two fights. Okay, John, you were gonna say something? Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think Goes kind of touched on there. When I when I look at the line, I think it's twofold, and but I do think part of it is emotion. The guy's just so popular. We see that, right? I mean, in MMA lines, you still see emotion baked into lines, right? Because People just want to bet on their guy. You know, they want to bet on the guy they like. And I think there's some of that. But you do have to factor in how good he looked in the last one. And I think it's easy for a fan to say, well, wait, I just saw that fight. I know exactly how it's going to go again. I think that's a little bit short-sighted. But, uh, you know, I, I think that's that's part of it there. All right, let me jump in here real fast and just remind everybody. Uh, 
On Saturday, we're going to be doing a watch-along on MMA Junkie, and we're doing a post-fight show as well, hosted by John. So this goes to, towards all the patrons on the MMA Roadshow and all the patrons here on the Triple G Show with Richard Hunter. Don't forget, it's going to be a lot of fun. We really put a lot of work into this. So check it out. Uh, as far as I know, because I still haven't gotten the old, you know, the final, I guess, date and time for the pre-show, if we're going with that or not. But I know that goes and I, our portions, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and then John immediately follows us. John, do you happen to know if we've uh, locked in the pre-show yet? I think, man, you know, I almost feel bad saying because I don't want to give wrong information, but I believe it's at 5 p.m. Eastern because I believe the idea was, of course, Farah Hanoon is going to be hosting that pre-show is right. to have an hour but go off air before the fight starts. That way we're not asking you to not watch any of the prelims. If you're one of those hardcores that wants to watch every single fight, that we're off air before that first fight starts. So I believe that's the time. I, I really hope I'm not uh, misspeaking because I don't want to give any wrong information, but uh, I believe that's the time. And then, like you said, uh, you guys will do the watch long and I'll just jump on board as, as soon as I can afterwards and do the post show for the first time. So looking forward to it. First time. Guys, I don't want to disrespect the rest of the car, but I thought that was a pretty big news story that came out. I really want to get your guys' thoughts on it. We'll go with Richard on this one first. Amanda Nunes and Ina Nunes have left American Top Team. Amanda Nunes is going to, I guess, uh, have her own spot now. I don't know if she's an entrepreneur and, and building her own gym or just joining another gym. But this is intriguing, and I wonder if at the core of this is Kayla Harrison um, or just her I wanting to get a fresh look after losing her one of her two titles. She's still the featherweight champion. What were your thoughts, Richard, without knowing all the facts yet the, uh, of why this may have occurred? Have you heard anything? I have not heard anything. Now, I don't think it's coincidental that this is happening in the wake of the her last fight playing out the way that it did very recently. I was and we talked about it here on the show, uh, John. I was I was troubled by her reaction to it. I mean, not not just everybody can have a bad night, look, no, no question, but just more of the kind of and I'm talking about like in the post fight interview, just the kind of huh, there you go. You know, yeah, well. I'll see you guys, you know, uh, it'll all be good. See ya. I mean, it just, it just kind of felt like oddly not concerning. Um, and I, I get it that, you know, nobody is maybe going to be completely candid and say, oh God, this is one of the most devastating, embarrassing moments of my career. I just shut down or whatever, but still there just didn't seem to be a lot of concern there. So in the wake of something like that, uh, I'm sure somebody's getting blamed, you know, whether it's uh, the the fighter looking at the at the camp or the camp thinking that the fighter, uh, you know, checked out on that that prep or that camp or or whatever. So uh, and I'm, I'm just I'm just putting two and two together here. I just don't if it's not coincidental, then it has to have something to do with that. Now, you know, here's the thing. When a fighter is at this point in their career. They've established themselves as the the best to have done it in in their with their gender and their division, and they've made their money and all that kind of thing. And they go, okay, now I'm going to start my own thing. That's either uh, great if you've got all your ducks in a row to do it, and you're you're maybe even going to create a legacy that'll go beyond uh, uh, your career. If you're going to, I don't know, have a training spot for future fighters, or it's it's a terrible idea because what it really is is kind of a fancy way to go. Yeah, I'm going to set up my own thing where uh, nobody's uh, criticizing me, maybe the way they were when I was under somebody else's roof. 
And I don't know which is which here. Uh, I know what history says. History says a lot of times it's the latter. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think given what we we know to be true about the history of the sport and, uh, you know, this is a bit cynical here, but I don't think a lot of us look at it sort of like when uh, we see fighters, uh, you know, open up side businesses. Uh, I mean, if they're just buying up real estate, great. But I think a lot of times when we hear about the latest barbershop or rap label, uh, most of us probably go, and very few of us go, well, this is going to be a huge success. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I don't know that uh, that's the, the, the best idea for her to be doing at this point. And I don't really know what's behind it. But uh, I mean, they are in a unique situation. They're they're you know, uh, a couple that, that are active fighters, but a married couple and, and had both been six. I don't it, What am I? I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm speculating off the top of my head here is what I'm doing, but I'm just going off a of history and what I've seen. Uh, I don't think this is a good sign. How about that? If I had to sum it up into one phrase, I think something is amiss here. John, how about, um, does this in any way resemble Rashad and John Jones? Now, obviously, Amanda's a GOAT, you know, when it comes to women's MMA. And Rashad did win a title, so maybe it's not apples to apples comparing him his career to Amanda's. But, again, both world champions. But just kind of like the veteran who did their thing, but now look at this new shiny toy who's graced the gym. Um, and so now the other one maybe is just feeling like I I'm no longer the, you know, the, the big woman on campus, so I'm just going to slide out here. You, you think there's maybe a feel of, of that at all? I don't think so, to be honest with you. You know, and listen, I, I, I'm not 100% certain that, that Kayla Harrison is going to leave the PFL. You know, some people that I've talked to behind the scenes there say, look, they're breaking out the checkbook to keep her around. They're, they're, they're writing a couple extra zeros on there to, to, to keep her. And so, you know, I think she may stay. But even if she does, I mean, if you look at it, you know, Dan Lambert has done a great job to make sure that they were, you know, never pitted as rivals. You know, I've interviewed Kayla numerous times and she always said look if we do ever fight if me and amanda do ever fight it's going to be a hundred percent respect she said look it's not going to be colby jorge type situation which played out right in that same very gym right there she was always very respectful said look she's the goat i want to be the goat someday and if that means i have to beat her i will but it was always very respectful and i think you know, like i said dan lambert went out of his way to, to foster a feeling of that they were both wanted and and i had heard that he wanted if he had his brothers, he was going to make sure they never fought each other because, you know, he, he didn't want that exact same situation. So I don't think – I know, Richard, you said, you know, you're just kind of, you know, reading the tea leaves, so to speak. But I think you made a lot of really good points, you know. And, and, and I think, you know, as you said, her demeanor after the fight, it was almost like just accepting. Like, oh, like I kn knew I wasn't 100% coming into this one, knew I hadn't done it. It was just like, oh, well. I did love her social media post that she posted afterwards. I actually pulled it up because I wanted to get the quote just right. And it was a picture with her on the belt. And she said, you guys think I'm going to go out on ballots? I undoubtedly accept the rematch. Give me a little time to get my shit together, and I will be back better than ever. And you're like, so you didn't have your shit together as the double champion? There's, I think there's something going on there, and that does scare me a little bit. And we've seen it. As you said, history kind of tells. Maybe it's amazing. Maybe she starts this new you know, legacy and this new generation of fighting. She has her own team with her own philosophy that got her to a point, and she instills that in others, and she builds it. It could be that. But it always scares me when, you know, what kind of team is she going to build around herself? Because when you're the best person in the room 
and you don't have people to push you. And I know when you're the GOAT, you're probably always the best person in the room. But when you're in a team as deep as American Top Team, I'm sure you have an off day every now and then where somebody just happens to be better that day. And, and you're going to have a difficult time, you know, building any kind of team with that kind of depth. I know that she's got the financial resources. I know that she's got the reputation. But it scares me a little bit, too. So I definitely think this is a story worth following. I definitely think there's more to the story. I mean, I mean, leaving American top team, I mean, the type of coaching staff they had there, the type of financial resources that they had, the commitment that Dan Leber makes, the facility, I mean, something is going on here. And it does make you wonder, is she just, does she just not want to go through that grind anymore? Is it now she wants to cater it herself, you know, just a certain way? And, and, and look, she's earned it. So maybe, maybe she can make it work. But as Richard said, I think rightfully so, you know, history kind of shows that that doesn't typically work out. So um, it's a very, very interesting story. I wouldn't even leave American Top Team because I'd be afraid. This guy's like Oprah Winfrey, man. He's going to come in one day and go, hey, everybody, practice is over. Go outside. Everyone gets a Ranger over. You know, like he's he's just – he's rich. He, he does crazy stuff. But um, who knows? You know, it's funny. When, when we were talking about this, I was almost thinking Davison, his submission to Brandon Marino is – not it was a version of what Amanda did to Juliana, except it wasn't a complete like meltdown, you know. But you could just tell he quit. Um, you know, he he knew he was getting his butt kicked, and you know, I don't know. I see a little bit of similarities, but not as not not as stark a contrast as as Amanda. She she basically said, "This is my night. That's it. I'm out of here." But anyway, how about you, guys? What what, what are your thoughts on the story? Well, it's it's so hard to comment on it when we don't have all the facts, but. I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little something. Um, it's not really an ATT uh, environment that they create. I think it's just when you have a lot of superstars together, people are going to butt heads, right? Colby and Masvidal, uh, Lombard and, and Woodley. I mean, these things just kind of happen. But John's right. Anytime you hear it, individual interviews, they're always very respectful of each other. So I don't think it ever got to that. Um, but Amanda Nunes needs to be focused on her rematch. And I think the best way of doing that is maybe tweaking things, not changing things. And this is a big change. You know, whether she's going to start something on her own, I mean, just starting your own business alone is stressful uh, in the middle of trying to get ready for a rematch and all these doubts and all that. Like, that just seems like a lot. Maybe going to another spot. I don't know. Um, but I, yeah. it's really hard to yeah, do. Yeah, I, I, need, I, I need some time to get my shit together. So let me start learning about uh, dealing with landlords and building permits. Right. Yeah. But this would have made more sense if we already had the news of where Kayla was going and it was the UFC, you know, and, and it's, it doesn't appear like John said, I've heard the same stuff that it, it seems like the PFL is more of the front runner. So again, why, why feel uncomfortable and leave the, the spot that took you to 13 and one that took you to the status of being the, the goat of women's MMA. Um, you know, that coach, that's like a father figure. She's always on the shoulders of Conan Silvera, you know, like, will, will, will he still be able to be a part of her, you know, of her camp or not, you know, like kind of like what Jackson's doing. He's kind of, he's Jackson wink over here, but he kind of dips out to guide John sure. Jones. At times. I don't know. There just has to be something. I mean, just think about where I mean, American top team. You're gonna go. Do you feel like you're not getting access to the coaching you need, or like what? Yeah. I mean, they like, look at who they have available. And are you, t dude? If she went to Dan Lambert, said, you know why we lost? Because we don't have that striking coach over there. That striking coach would be the one that would make. 
I guarantee you he would go hire that striking coach. But you know what I mean? So there has to be something behind these. I don't think it's Kayla Harrison. I could be wrong. I don't think it's Kayla Harrison. But there has to be something because you literally have access to everything you need at American Top Team. There's, there's got to be more to this. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see what you find out in the coming weeks. Um, we'll leave it here for now. John, thanks for popping in, man. It was fun to do MMA Avengers again with you. And uh, obviously to your audience, you know, check us out. We're, we're the – Triple G Show with Richard Hunter. Uh, and don't forget that we have that watch-along on Saturday, UFC 270 over on MMA Junkie. We all combine forces. Goes and I will host the watch-along at 8 p.m. Eastern. And then approximately, or right after, I should say, the um, the main event's over. So approximately 1 a.m., we'll hand it over to John for a post-fight. First time doing that. We're really, really uh, anxious to do it. All right, John. Thanks again, man, for hanging out with us here. And we'll, uh, we'll see you again soon. Love it, man. We got to do this more often. Right, so there you go. That was our conversation. Gorgeous George goes. Richard Hunt, I really appreciate them uh, doing this with me and, and uh, allowing us to collaborate on this one a little bit. And I, like I said, I think we're going to try to do a little bit more stuff moving forward, man. It's just, it, it's like I said, I, I really used to love doing MMA Junkie Radio, man. It used to be a, a daily show when we go down to Mandalay and um, I just don't have that ability anymore with the, the, the way the things are. They have to wear a mask. And I mean, obviously, wearing a mask it isn't exactly conducive to. Uh, doing a, a radio show so um hopefully the rules will change here in las vegas over the next couple months maybe they can get back down to mandalay but they're still doing a great job from their home studio but man their home studio is like five minutes from my house so um uh, there's just no reason we can't be doing some more stuff together i, I really uh, always enjoy those guys and their insight and of course richard hunter as well longtime friend uh, and, and knowledgeable guy as well so uh hopefully you guys enjoyed that give a little, a little something different thanks to cold coffee <laughs> uh listen you know uh george said you know hey did, you know don't mean to uh, downplay the rest of the card you know we won't break down all of it um but i, I will say there you know while i get it you know especially with this new price man i i know like i said i can't it's hard for me to to get into discussions about price because i don't have to pay it i mean it's just that simple it's, it's on a company card like i don't even have to be out of pocket and wait to get reimbursed you know so um I always feel a little bit guilty when I'm like, oh, I'd pay. You know, I mean, I can't. You know, if it was really coming out of my pocket, maybe I would sit this one out. I certainly wouldn't go to the bar. And watch. I always hear people like, well, if you don't want to buy it, just go to, like, Buffalo Wild Wings and, and watch it. You know how much frosty beverages would be consumed in three hours of watching fights? I would be well more than seventy four ninety nine into uh <laughs> into my bill at that point. So uh, that never seems like a real option to me. Um I suppose you could just sit there and drink water, but then the servers really, really, really wouldn't like you. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, listen, I will be working, obviously. Uh, for this. We'll have the, the post show. But, I, you know, I get it for some people that might not want to pay 75 bucks for this. You know, maybe those two title fights aren't enough. And there is the very real possibility that Cyril Gunn, you know, if Cyril Gunn is victorious, it's because he's fighting a very patient tactical battle. And that doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, lend itself to excitement now francis nagano wins you know it's because somebody just got uh clipped upside their head uh you know with a highlight real knockout so you know francis wins i think you can get guaranteed there was some excitement and you know i i agree that there's i just don't see any way moreno and figueredo uh isn't an exciting fight but i get it maybe some people don't like flyweight so um 
I, I, I do like the main card here. I mean, uh, Andre Fiala, Michelle Pajeda. I, I mean, Michelle Pajeda, obviously, showman uh, extraordinaire. A lot of fun. Uh, Andre Fialo, uh, very skilled fighter, very talented fighter that a lot of people are very high on. Um, and he's, you know, he's stepping in a difficult scenario here, but a lot of people believe, you know, he's got some upside in the future. I did take Michelle Pajeda here in my staff pick. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, again, I, I don't mean to downplay the skills of Andre, but this is, um, you know, a tough ass for him uh, off the top for sure. Uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov versus Cody Stamen. This could be a great fight as well. I did go with uh, Saeed Nurmagomedov here for my staff picks. Uh, I think Saeed is, is knocking on the door. I think a, a victory here, and he's probably uh, in the rankings. I mean, I, I, I would think so. Um, he's got to be, you know, close to there, right? Uh, the guy's got an impressive record, and, uh, you know, this would be a, a, a decent win for him. Of course, Cody Stammen, a, a nice name, um, but it's a big platform as well, you know. Uh, he did have the loss to Tyrone Barcelos uh, earlier in his career, but uh, a very – talented individual to say the least i think it's, you know right on the cusp of being ranked uh with, with a, a victory you know i guess you, you kind of got impressed a little bit you know you see the performance if maybe it's boring or he just edges out a uh you know split decision or something like that then you know maybe he doesn't but uh you know right now if you look at the, the official ufc rankings um you know half on sun's out at number 15 is just barely kind of hanging on there i would think uh, you know, four losses. Granted, all very, very high-profile losses, but four losses. Um, so you got to think that you know, Saeed would probably be able to. I, I don't know. I'm like, maybe I'm speaking for my own ballot, <laughs> um, but I, I would think that he'd probably be a candidate there. Wellington Terman versus Adolfo Vieira. I did take Adolfo Vieira here. I know, you know, Adolfo Vieira's probably got some uh, detractors after the one loss when he when he certainly ran out of energy. Um, but I think he's he's still very talented as well. I think the one that most people are probably going to be looking forward to the most on the prelims uh, has to be uh, Charles. Actually, I want to show you the French Canadian. It's not Charles Jourdain, right? It's Charles Jourdain. I can't say it. Charles Jourdain, all right? That's not how you really say it, but I can't get the French Canadian in there. See, this is why I need Cole Coffey to come in with this linguistic, foreign linguistic expertise that he has and pronounce it properly against Ilya Taporia. Uh, Respect to Charles for for stepping in here on 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 short notice um, against a very very talented individual. I I, I think Ilya Taporia is the real deal. A lot of people incredibly high on him, and and I'm one of them. Um, you know, I think he's a, a massive favorite here, biggest one on the card at minus six thirty with the odds that I'm looking at. Meaning you have to put down six hundred and thirty dollars just to win a hundred on Ilya Taporia. Uh, I would not recommend doing that as confident as I am in him. Um, man, you start getting odds like that, anything can happen in MMA. And, and so I just think you always have to be aware of that. You start getting up to minus 600, that's too much. But I do believe Ilya Taporia is the real deal. Um, and this could be, a, you know, an opportunity for him to kind of showcase things a little bit as well. Uh, I mentioned before Jaime Barcelos versus Victor Henry. Um, I, I, I'm really high on Jaime Barcelos as well. Um, you know, Victor Henry, a, a veteran around the gang, can, you know, can put on a show. So we'll see if he can come in here and, and uh, maybe upset. But Honey uh, Barcelos, I think, is, is incredibly talented talented uh trevin giles is in there uh always exciting against an, an undefeated you know handful of newcomers there's some undefeated ones too you know uh you got michael morales coming in here at 12 and 0 pete rodriguez at 4 and 0 a little, a little early right pete rodriguez stepping in against jack della madalena i mean good for pete rodriguez um you know certainly you know i always say that you know i, I feel like guys should get a little bit more um uh, you know a little bit more seasoning get a little 
it's easy to say that when you're, you know, making a thousand bucks or whatever. You know, you want to get in the UFC, which I understand people think they should make more, um, but it's certainly a higher pay scale than than the regional scene, to say the least. Uh, so that's your uh, ESPN prelims. You get down to ESPN Plus, Tony Gravely uh, versus Simon Oliveira, Vanessa Dimopoulos, Silvana Gomez Juarez, Matt Frivola versus the undefeated Gennaro Valdez, and Kay Hansen versus CFFC's own Jasmine Jazzadavisius. Uh, tough matchup there in Kay Hansen. Kay Hansen's tough. So, um, I, you know, I get it. If, if you don't have the budget right now for the 75, I can understand why people might object to this one a little bit with that new price, especially. Um, but I love those two fights up at the top, and, and uh, I'll certainly be watching. Again, we touched on it, but I'll, I'll just remind you uh, one more time, if you can check it out. We've got the uh, the pre-show with Farah Hanoun. I really wish I knew the time. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, 5 p.m. Eastern, which is 2 p.m. Pacific. Sorry about that. 5 p.m. Eastern, so one hour um, before the prelim card starts, I believe is the plan. I hope that's right. We'll have it all set up on MMA Junkie, so you can uh, you can check it out right there. Uh, on the website, and then of course the watch along with the radio boys, and then that'll just transition. From what I understand, I think the way we decided to set it up is, um, you know, you won't. It'll actually be the same stream as the watch along. We'll just continue on. They'll just kind of back out of the of the broadcast studio and, and bring me in. So uh, all being done remotely, of course. So it, you you won't even have to switch streams if you're watching there. So you know, if you just want to uh, do the watch along, which I'll be honest, I've never done. Um, but I, they say they have a lot of fun. I'm usually working. Uh, you know, I'm at the event. So I, I've never actually partaken in the, in the watch along. But I know they enjoy the heck out of it. And, uh, you know, our, our sponsoring partners that work with us on doing it, uh, you know, seem to like the content. So uh, if you haven't done it, maybe this is the one where you're like, I don't want to spend the 75. But, you know, I'll hang out with these guys and they can tell me what's going on. I can read the play-by-play or whatever and chat some MMA. So uh, I guess that's an option. And then... You know, at some point, uh, we'll check in with Cole Coffee again. Maybe he'll be here next week. I mean, we're in Las Vegas. Maybe he'll be here next week, or maybe he won't. You know, you never know with Cole Coffee. He might just say, "Now I can't find my recording equipment around the house. I can't even. I can't even do that." <laughs> oh man, give him some grief for this one. Give him some grief for this. He left us high and dry. Uh, by the way, next week um, I will be doing a uh, CFSC show, so there is no. Uh, UFC event, but if you're still looking for some uh, MMA next weekend, I'll just go ahead and preview it out there that I will uh, be doing a CFSC event uh, out in Philadelphia. So we'll uh, we'll break down all the details on that next week. Well, as always, hey, hope you enjoyed the break. There's no more breaks anymore. It's going fast and furious. Uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Would like to do it with my man Cole Coffee, but uh, he shafted me. And I'm feeling hurt. I'm gonna love nobody. He's getting a cold conversation. <laughs> but for everybody else, hope you like the little spin-up. Hope you like the little change-up. Hopefully you support those guys over the Triple G Show. And obviously, of course, thanks for listening.